it's extraordinary to think that a man went into mosques in New Zealand, houses of prayer with guns and bombs to kill men and women and children and to live stream it on the internet. What madness would have made him think that this was all right? What belief or thought would have justified doing these different deeds? It's difficult to make sense of it, isn't it? We are in the process of piecing it all together in these times. It was planned, perhaps over a long period. The place was chosen, the day was picked, and the attacker travelled perhaps many miles to this vulnerable spot. It was deliberate against a religion, against a time in which these people were at prayer, and it was done with the prime intention of killing and maiming as many individuals as possible. The attacker himself, we believe, was young, a man of the far right, radicalised, perhaps wound up by others to do this terrible deed. And we've seen it before, in recent times too. The last time it was at the synagogue in America. Before that, it was uh, at churches in the Philippines. This time, it is in a mosque. These are sad times in which we live, and of course, the legacy of war and conflict and the fires that it creates are surrounding us at the present time. It's not right the great powers bomb villages and towns from aircrafts and from the sea. And it's not right either that men and women go into market squares with bombs, busy thoroughfares, times when people are about their business, houses of prayer, wedding receptions and so on. But of course, it's all part of the same thing, that kind of terrible cycle of violence that we've come to be caught up in. You can't help but think that it's all connected in the times in which we live, the war and terror, the mad politics, the populist and extremist leaders, the quickness of people to go to their gun, the call for war and so on, the lack of consensus, the small extremist groups that think they can do harm to others. It seems that it's all connected, one thing leading to another. It feels as if we are moving to the edges as well. Edges where we become shocked at people's actions and the things that they can do to one another. And we don't think that we can be shocked anymore. But then all of a sudden, we are even more shocked. The laws of decency and the laws of civilised behaviour seem to have gone out of the window. Today at Mass, instead, we are directed to the mountaintop, a place, if you like, far from the battlefields of the world of today, a windswept place, perhaps, where the air is clean and the beauty of the world can be seen by those men who climb up to the mountaintop itself. It would be difficult in our own mind's eye to imagine a more peaceful place than this mountaintop that Jesus himself and Peter and James and John stand upon. What we hear of in this mountaintop is that Jesus himself is transfigured in light. His clothes shine brighter 
than any earthly bleacher can make them, so bright that the apostles have to shield their eyes from this light. It's a light itself that cannot be dimmed. What we've simply heard then is one of the great gospel stories of Jesus' transfiguration and this light that emanates from himself and from his garments. But what we also believe is that the world itself is transfigured by the presence of the Lord in the world and by his grace. Problems can be solved. Enemies through him can be reconciled. Disputes can be ended. People don't need to go for the gun. They don't need to bluster with threats. They don't need to create a culture where it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Instead of a fallen world, we believe in a transfigured world through the presence of Christ. Darkness gives way to light. Hope returns. Things that are fallen can be rebuilt. We believe instead of a fallen world, in a transfigured world, things that are transformed by the power of God's grace. People are indeed right to be shocked by the events that happened in New Zealand just a short time ago. A place, of course, New Zealand, that couldn't be further from where we are at present. And yet it seems very close indeed. It could have been a mosque in our street, in our town, or in any of our cities. It could have been a church like this. It could have been people that we ourselves know because the, the people themselves in that instance are so close to us. Today at Mass, we are directed ourselves to this mountaintop, a place far away from all of this uh, disaster. But of course, the sadness of itself uh, still is with us today. And one of the shocking points is that we share that common humanity with those who have fallen. We are sad because we can see them like ourselves in streets and places that we ourselves walk upon. There's a need, isn't there, not to give in to hopelessness. There's a need not to give in to despair. There's a need to isolate those who do those terrible deeds. And there is a need for us to fight against extremist views in the world itself. But this is a time in which we should have clear heads and not lose sight of our ideals, not lose sight of our hopes or aspirations for the world in which we live and the relationships that we have with one another. The beams of light that come from our Lord today and from his garments come to us also. These can never be dimmed can never be shut out by the darkest moments of life in the world itself. In times in which are hard, in times in which are dark, we cling even more to that light which we believe in, the light that comes to us and to everyone for salvation, for a better world, for a redeemed and transfigured world.